Hello and welcome to a special edition of the In The Money Players podcast. This is our Pegasus Day schedule. A little bit later in the show, we're going to have professional horse player Duke Matisse on to go over some of his key spots on the card. But we kick things off with a returning guest and somebody we always like to check in with ahead of these big days at first racing, like this Pegasus Day, in many ways, the biggest day of all. He is the CEO from First Racing, Aiden Butler. Aiden, what's going on? Pete, how are you, my friend? Life is very good. Life is very good. And I want to start off by asking you a personal question. Your your job title has changed since the last time you were on these airways. How has that uh, changed your life? I mean, when well, in your previous role, you were running around taking care of everything. Is it? Is it? Are those efforts redoubled now? No, I, I don't know how much more time I had spare. It's basically the same job with a different title. Um, but no, it, it made, it's good. I've got a great team. It enabled me to hire a few people and really start to, uh, I guess, delegate a little more because I think uh, maybe it'll be great news to some people, but I was kind of fit to drop down dead at a certain point. So <laughs> at, least, uh, at least keep me around for a few years longer. <laughs> So Pegasus Week, you've been to you've been to these before. Let's start off with the the very basic question of what makes this event special. People are sometimes surprised when they see you know ticket prices, etc. I don't think they realize quite what they're getting in terms of what a special racing experience this is. So I guess we always break it up. I mean, from a racing standpoint, it's not going. I mean, it'd be very difficult to top this going forward. Um, I mean, we've got. A field, competitive fields like that we've never had, may never get again. I mean, I think just what happened with, you know, the big champions retiring um, has enabled us to have, you know, not only full fields, but full fields that are crazy competitive. And, you know, a couple of people have asked, well, are you missing like a flight line or a life is good? But the difference here is there's a bunch of grade one winners in their own right. This is not like we've ended up with a, a lesser race. And I would argue this is about as good a race or races as you could put together at this time of the year. So I'm pretty excited, my friend. Oh, it's, I mean, the big race is amazing. And it is very different than in years past where it's been a star driven event and that has its own charm. But from a betting point of view, last year, you've got a favorite and a second favorite that are both uh, shades of odds on. It makes it a little bit tricky um, for, for a lot of people, the way they like to play, to have a bet this time around, you know, in, in, in bookmaking terms, uh, you, you'd be, you'd be thrilled to have a field like this where you're going to have, and you have enough star power with a runner like a cyber knife in there, but I think it's going to be a really fun race to bet. I had a lot of fun getting stuck into the fight. Well, I, I've, I've looked at it seven or eight times and I'm still completely confused. <laughs> uh, so I kind of, I, I don't, I won't be giving out any, any, uh, good tips other than, uh, uh, it's going to, there's going to be value to be had across the board. I mean, your, your question was pretty pertinent. It's like, what makes this such a big day? Um, and, and such a different day, obviously the racing is world-class and, this year more so than ever we've got great you know value to be had and betting opportunities but when you look at the rest of the venue and how we program it we really do kind of put our money where our mouth is and try to come up with a product from an experience standpoint that really differentiates you look it's south florida it's a different um different type of vibe down here it's particularly this time of the year it's you know really the place to be from a weather standpoint um, and so we've, you know, we've really taken the time and effort to reimagine each one of the venue areas. So all of the different you know, F and B offerings, you know, we have the carousel club here, which is a novel thing for a 
for an American racetrack. You know, it's kind of an outdoor, indoor, basically a day club. Um, and we've, we've programmed the entertainment and the, uh, and the experience for each one of those. So I think no matter where you're going to be on the track, you're going to see something that's uh, pretty hard to replicate as another track. Well, that, that, that's, the, that's the charge, at least. I'm sure, I'm sure I'll mess something up along the line. <laughs> for the most part, um, we're, going, we're, going, we're going big and we're going to try and uh, create a day that anyone who's lucky enough to come will, will forever remember. The weather looks perfect, and uh, I, I feel you know I, I would never say that about a place like New York with its uh, the, the the famous vagaries, but it it looks like proper uh, proper winter uh, Miami weather, unlike some of what's been going on down there. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. You mentioned the Carousel Club; that's where I'm going to be, and I'm really excited. I have heard you know a lot of positive buzz about this place. I like that day club description that that matches what I've heard. And uh, some live music I'm excited about afterwards, too, that I imagine everybody's going to be uh, encouraged to, to stick around for. I encourage folks, uh, you know, listeners, if you see me there or anywhere around the track, please say hi. It's always great to get to know people. But, yeah, what can you tell us about uh, some of the entertainment we're going to be seeing? On yeah, so we got, um, we got, and again, maybe the audience listening, depending, may, this may not be their vibe. It's certainly a little younger than I am, but um, we've got a huge international DJ called called uh, Kygo playing. He's, sure. Uh, He's you know, very well known. Um, we've got uh, One Republic who are pretty much, I mean, they've written some of the best songs around over the past years, uh, not only for themselves, but for seems every other uh, famous musician. Um, so that those two in themselves are going to drive such a, such a cool buzz from the crowd. But we have to, we have to be really careful not to, um, not to kind of, you know, have a, uh, just an emphasis on the the after party entertainment. You know, we run racetracks, we run really good racing, and so there'll be quite a few things. And I'm looking looking to see what you think about it when you're in in there. Um, we've got brand new bedding terminals with a completely redesigned you know user interface to really try and make it simple for beginners to learn how to bet. Instead of you know you know the old bedding terminals, it, they're, uh, they're pretty complicated. I think once you realise how to use one, that's kind of a you know, an accolade in itself, but uh, we do make it difficult sometimes for beginners to even work out how to bet. So you'll see a bunch of new terminals in there. Some that look, the touchscreen, they actually look like modern day slot machines, but they are basically parimutuel betting terminals. So we've got those in there. We've got a bunch of um, cool walk around. We call them walk around mutuals, but people who are actually going to be, you know, traversing the place, uh, explaining to people what they can do, how they can bet. We've got a, a team, and I won't spoil it, but a team of very well-known race trackers pitched <laughs> up in there. Uh, Pete, Pete Re- Team Rotundo, as you would know them as, uh, a bunch of their guys who are going to literally be on hand to not only explain to people how to bet, but to you know maybe say what to bet and, and make it exciting and fun and add a bit of personality because we are we are a pretty complicated sport from a betting standpoint, especially if you're if you if you're new to it. So we're trying to you know, lower the barrier to entry, and we hope that combined with a really fun party and you know, culminating in a, in, a, in a concert, that, that that starts to drive people you know, wanting to come to the races and wanting to come back to the races. A lot of stuff to unpack there. I'll start with the betting machines, and I, and I, I think that's a great point about trying to make that a simpler, more intuitive experience. You shouldn't have to press six buttons before you, you have an opportunity to part with your money from a track point of view. <laughs> Uh, and just, you know, obviously for ease of use. But I want to go back to Kygo. I think that's a great booking for this event because you've got somebody who's 
undeniably of the moment, but it's also very known for a lot of like remixes of classic songs that even people who, you know, who aren't uh, in the fan club right now, I, I think he's going to be able to, co- to connect with an older audience as well. So I think that's yeah, that, that, you know, that crossover. And I wouldn't um, ever put myself out there as a talent booking expert. You know, I, I'm a little more country than I am uh, <laughs> music, although that wasn't always the case. But yeah, no, I think we can um, we can look forward to stuff that's going to be you know uh, easy to listen to for a bunch of different people, and that's always one of the debates we have. Do you go out there and get a big artist who only a subsection like? You could find maybe to use country, you could find maybe a country star, and maybe a lot of the the normal fans or guys and girls would like that. But then the younger audience is maybe going to for the most part, especially the young South Beach audience is going to be maybe looking a little bewildered. So it's good <laughs> to have that uh, crossover. And I think, you know, hats off and credit to the uh, our experience team that really worked this stuff year in, year out. Um, they put together, I think, a pretty cool lineup. Given your accent, I thought you were going to say you were a skiffle man, but I guess you're a little young for that. <laughs> what is it? Pirate shanties, I think, would be close with my voice. <laughs> let's talk a little bit about other things going on at Gulfstream. And one thing I know is a near and dear concern to, to a lot of my listeners who uh, put a lot of money through the windows. You've got this revamped timing system yeah. for the races. How's that been working out so far? It's, it's been good. We had a couple of hiccups. Um, and as you know, as your audience are going to be people who really understand this, I'll give a maybe a little more detailed explanation. We did a bunch of things at the same time. We, you know, completely renovated and redid the turf course, um, which in turn meant we had to completely redo the irrigation system on the inside rail. So now when you're digging up the inside rail and you're moving stuff around, that combined with the rail settings, it's quite easy to miss things. Um, so we had a, we've had a couple of races where either a, from a hardware perspective or from a misalignment perspective, we had to quickly you know, revert to hand timing, but I'm pretty confident that um, going forward, you know, and again, for those who care or a little more in the know, you know, the best, the most accurate timing is beam system. It's been used, you know, for eons. It's how they time everything from the bloody Olympics through to, uh, you know, any other kind of high speed sport. But as, as you know, we had progressed or I'd say regressed in some way to using GPS because it was a simple, you know, add, you know, add the GPS kind of a dongle to the horse and then let that, let that be both. As we're all aware, GPS is inherently inaccurate just because of the sort of distance it covers. And so I think the best solution, and it's a solution that I've put in now on all of our tracks. It, there's a couple of pieces missing on one of them, but um, I want the best timing and then the best rendition of a GPS, which is the graphical rendition for the screen that's possible. Um, but I'll take criticism mate you know well um how the hell in 2023 can you not accurately time horses going around the grass or a dirt oval i mean we're shooting rockets up to the bloody to mars and landing the rockets back and we can't time the bloody thing so i don't think for a second i don't take the criticism lightly i uh or i take the criticism lightly i don't it it, it is a it's a very good point so I'm, i'm endeavoring to get it fixed and anything that goes wrong we will um we'll be sure to make sure it doesn't happen again. But it's racing. But it's racing. So I'm sure I'll be eating those words. (laughs) Well, I appreciate you 
understanding our perspective Absolutely. on it and, uh, and, and, you know, having an eye out and working to fix it. And, and, you know, we, 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 we love be, having our concerns acknowledged and we understand it costs money and, and time and it, but it's money and time as you well understand that that table, that table stakes, right? That that's, I mean, that shouldn't even be open to a conversation in, in any other sport, especially one that's wagered on it. Shouldn't be, a, shouldn't be an argument. So I promise I'll, uh, I'll make the commitment to you and all your listeners that I'll um, endeavor to get this as good as it can possibly be. Love it. How about the turf course itself? How are the, the early returns on that? Really good, really good. It's holding up nicely. Um, you know, we've, we've had some weather down here a little bit, so we've been off it a few times. But I think the original plan, as I th- I'm not sure if we spoke about this prior or if we've spoken about it in person, but, you know, the Tapita track was really there to augment the turf. So when the weather turned... You still had some great racing because you could hold the races together. Um, that's not what transpired because when we really dug in, not to use a pun, but dug into the turf track, it really needed a lot of TLC. And, in, and what happened is very well documented. So we ended up pushing the torpedo because the turf racing had to cease. Now, um, so really we lost, I would say we lost a year because, you know, the original plan was to have both turf and torpedo as a secondary, but it's... Um, you know, the turf course is really reacting well. I'm very close, as you know, to a bunch of the jocks. And I've walked the thing every other day now since uh, since well before opening, since the grass started growing. So I know it pretty well. It's, it's, it's always a balancing act. It's a, it's a organic surface, which means it's going to get beaten up. And it doesn't matter how much you, you look after it. Uh, as soon as you put horses out there, these things kind of start to start to degradate and fall apart. So we have, we keep an eye on it. We race a hell of a lot. And I understand that we'd love to race, you know, 24 seven, you know, all year on turf. It's just, it's just not feasible uh, unless you want to go back to the old days where the turf course becomes turf. The turf. Which is a a green dirt like substance. Um, That ain't what I want to do. And I won't be part of that. So, um, I can assure everybody that we'll always keep it as best as we can, but you know, it is, it is an organic surface and it's a big balancing act trying to run as much as we do on it. I think from a horse player perspective, one thing we want to see, and we understand why it hasn't been able to happen at this point, but maybe it's starting to happen more and more now. It's just like having the right kind of condition book where you don't give the horsemen too many choices and they, you know, with the three surfaces where you end up with a whole bunch of short fields. And, and as this yeah. card on Saturday demonstrates when you can book it right and, and have a real plan that makes sense, you can end up having the three surfaces be a boon to field size. And, and I just, I imagine that's going to be part of the plan going forward. It is mate. And the credit where credits do the racing office. I mean, no one's done this and there's a few reasons. No one has three surfaces like we do and runs them day in, day out at the same time. So that came with a bunch of challenges and yeah, I've got a feel for the racing office because there is no playbook on this. No one's got any experience with this. So they've been uh, endeavoring to do all they can. Look, we can always improve. And it's I, I, very easy to be critical of myself and everyone else. But uh, Monday morning quarterbacks, we got more than our fair share, considering <laughs> we're not football. Uh, and so criticizing what we could have done or should have done after is absolute fair game. Um, but as long as I see you know improvement, and I, I believe the racing officer really getting a handle on it, I think um, going forward, I think we're going to get into a really nice kind of bounce and sequence and have a good competitive racing on all three surfaces with the added bonus that should Florida do what Florida does, 
mm-hmm. and absolutely lash down with rain, then uh, we've got this ability to hold the turf racing together. Any other messages we need to get out there for the listeners ahead of uh, yeah, Saturday? I, mean, I think I mean I think keep your eyes on the uh, pick five and pick four. Both are seven hundred and fifty thousand guaranteed. They'll be well over that, um, especially as by that time that's when I'll start to lose my money. So I think I'll get the <laughs> added, added bonuses. Um, uh, you know, other stuff that's cool. Uh, I'm not. I spoke to him the other day. Frankie's Frankie Dettori's got ten mounts. Nice. Um, I'm not sure how he, he's going to handle 10 mounts. That's a, that's a lot of riding, so we'll see there. Uh, other big message, I know it's early, but first post, 10.50, so try and take it easy Friday night. I need you all clean and sober for the morning. <laughs> what, you do, um, what you do after that is completely up to you guys. <laughs> it's a great message. And, hey, another just thank you from a player point of view. So awesome having the cards drawn so early. I mean, I got my basically all my work done yesterday, and that gives you a chance, especially when you're dealing with a loaded card with this many races. You, you don't have to play catch up as much. And that uh, sounds. I'm thank you for saying that. The uh, that sounds like it's a no brainer, but it's um that took a bit of that took a bit of wrangling. Uh, <laughs> it, look, it's it's called to draw early. I think racing offices historically are trending towards drawing late just because they want to make sure the races that they put up are the races that go yes. um, and, you know, with the, with the right horses. But I, I agree with you, for, especially more so with these big days. Uh, we kind of tried to make it a little bit of an event and I think um, it worked pretty good. I think next year will be even better. Normally the post position draws are, they're a bit of a snoozer, you know, people show up and maybe there's some free, uh, free pastries, but no one's really, there for the entertainment of it. So what we did this year is we actually moved them in between the th- you know, three races. So we drew the three big races uh, at the Carousel Club while we had horses and racing going on at, at Gulfstream. That's and fun. tried to, you know, add a DJ and tried to make it more of, a, of an event. So yeah, I think it worked pretty good. I think uh, more to come for next year, but I think it's uh, that's probably the way to do it. These are superstar horses and uh, superstar jockeys, trainers, and everyone else in the mix. So let's celebrate them as early and as much as we can. A loaded card. Hopefully we'll get a flying dismount or two. Aiden, I look forward to seeing you down there. You're the best, brother. Thanks a lot. Good luck to everyone on the weekend. And we'll be back right after this. Play the first Coast to Coast Pick 5, featuring a sequence from Gulfstream Park in Florida and Santa Anita Park in California every Saturday and Sunday. Both the $1 minimum and 15% takeout are very player-friendly. Players can bet on track or online, usually listed as a separate track in your ADW. Just look for Coast to Coast Pick 5 in the drop-down. If you play on First Bet or Express Bet, you can get a free $10 bet on the Coast to Coast Pick 5 on select days. To participate, do not forget to register for the promotion. Get the Pick 5 sequence, expert analysis, free pass performances, and more at InTheMoneyPodcast.com slash coast and be sure to check the podcast we'll be doing every saturday and sunday for this new special bet that url once again in the money slash coast next up on the show very happy to be joined by a guest who i can honestly say is one of the most popular in in the money media history and he added to his legend giving us a bag full of winners the last time he was on the show in that cross promo we did with chappie and uh, the first look preview show. I'll tell you what, though, you may have some competition because I have never gotten more 
compliments than I did on the show I did earlier this week with one of your old uh, buddies from the Vegas days, Maury Wolf. Um, people are, are blowing me up with how much they love that. I think if you love that, you're going to love this segment. I am speaking about professional horse player, Duke Matisse. Duke, what's going on? Pete, that's great that you did. I didn't even know you did a show with Maury. I love him. Maury's one of my favorite horse racing uh, characters. He really is. He is amazing. And then I, I got to consolidate the gains by uh, going to dinner with him around here last night, which was a ton of fun. But it, uh, yeah, it was great. He came, it was his request. I try not to, you know, I got the impression he's helped me so much with books, but I got the impression he wasn't really like, I got the impression he didn't really want to be a podcast guest, frankly. I might have asked him once and he politely turned me down, but I think I was reading into it. But anyway, he came to me and he, you know, just wanted to speak about the current state of the game and some of the ways it's gotten so difficult and to, you know, give his advice to, to players. Um, and yeah, it's a lot of fun. I think you'll, I think you'll dig that one. If you have a car ride or something where you need a podcast, I think you'll, I think you'll get a kick out of it. Yeah, but, definitely. Uh, definitely check that out. Maury's a super smart man. And, uh, he, um, you're right about that. I'm surprised he actually did it because he doesn't, uh, he, doesn't do, he doesn't do too much, uh, in the public, uh, the public way of speaking for about horse racing, but that's great that he did it. I, I'm glad for him too. Cause he, uh, he likes to hide. <laughs> well, there you go. That's we're going to try to, I'm working on him already to, to have him on again as a guest. We'll see if that, uh, we'll see if that works out or not. Maybe but, we can, uh, maybe we can do one together. Oh, that'd be fun. That would be a draw, I think. And, and you know, that's, we do do those more process oriented shows where it's not necessarily picks. It's more approaches to race, to races, the ones that your brother Paul and uh, Sean Borman are often on. Boy, we could, we could definitely do something fun with him. That's a great idea. But we are here today to talk about the stakes on the Pegasus Day card. Um, first of all, thoughts overall on the on the card. Are you is this one you're particularly looking forward to playing, or more one that you feel obligated to, to play? Uh, I guess it's a little bit of both. Um, I think it'll be much more fun to to watch. Maybe not to uh, to risk a, a fortune on it because I think it's very difficult um, and. And the favorites uh, don't look bad. So it's kind of one of those weird cards that you're going to have to maybe uh, find something a little bit tricky or um, get lucky in, in, a, in a horizontal wager or something. Something along those lines. It's just, um, I mean, you have to watch. It's it's probably the, the card of the year, maybe besides Florida Derby at uh, Gulfstream. Yeah. Let's start off looking at race number six, where we've got stakes action in the La Proviante stakes presented by Don Julio. We're going a mile and a half on the turf here for these older fillies and mares. And I was thinking that maybe the distance could be the key to this one, going that mile and a half. But let's start with your thoughts. What do you see when you look down at these PPs? Well, I know I'm in trouble on this card, too, because my record uh, last time was so good. And, uh... <laughs> So Between people, you and Chappie, I don't think you missed a winner. We had we had people donating thousands of dollars to the Thoroughbred Retirement <laughs> Foundation based on that podcast. It was a successful show. Yeah, that was uh, that was a little ridiculous, almost. Yeah. <laughs> this is almost Your impossible. Tannen, Back to the Future Two was was cited in a couple of yeah comments. yeah. <laughs> seemed like uh, seemed like I messed stuff up, but uh, but that's how that's how racing goes. You have winners and you don't hit horizontals and and. Uh, makes it tough even though it was definitely a, a winning day uh this race yeah this race is wide talk about wide open mile and a half on the turf um 
they all look pretty much the same to me. Maybe a couple of them are a little bit lesser. There's um, there's plenty of pace too, which uh, which you don't usually see going a mile and a half. You got three speed horses there in a row, the four, five, and six, or at least the four and the five uh, will definitely be speed horses. The three and the six could be. Um, no strong opinions here. Um, I would say, I would say I wouldn't go for you know the five here. I would I would I would try to lean against them, only because seven to five isn't my style, and uh, the horse doesn't seem to be that much better than the rest. So I'm having a tough time with picking you know a particular horse in this race. I think the long shot would be my candy girl. I'm a little worried about the mile and a half, but uh, if somebody can do it and somebody can get a, a trip going a mile and a half, it's Paco Lopez. I think the horse gets a, a not necessarily like the that Chantel's a bad rider, but going a mile and a half, I think horses that close going a mile and a half will be better with Paco than would be with Chantel. And he likes, Paco likes to get to the rail and uh, save some ground. And 12 to 1, I think, is, uh, is a fair price with that horse since speed figures say that horse fits in this race very interesting idea with my candy girl i wanted to ask you what you thought of personal best i feel like that's one where when she was running shorter i was just sort of dying for her to have an opportunity to get out because she to get out in distance just because she felt like such a galloper and you know her form backs that idea up the, the two longer races are just so much better than everything going shorter and i was hoping that with the you know, I think when you take a quick look at the DRFPPs, adventuring looks faster than personal best, but I don't think she really is in real life going a mile and a half. Uh, you have any sympathy for that point of view? Uh, speed figure wise, adventuring is a little bit, but I, but the, you know, speed figures going a mile and a half, I don't really tend to uh, pay as much attention to. That race with personal best, I believe there was a spill or something in that race. Didn't a horse fall or, uh, some some horse got carried out or something bad happened in that race and the last day uh in the aqueduct uh mile 11 1100 uh mile and three ace race i believe the um i believe there was a spill in that race and that horse maybe benefited a little bit from that but you're right it is uh her mile and her mile and three ace and her mile in uh that race at kentucky downs i don't know what distance that was Mile five sixteenths. Like, yeah, mile and five sixteenths. It was uh, they were they were definitely her best races. That was the race where Ever Summer went down. The, I think that's the race where Trevor McCarthy got hurt. Yes, that's right. The horse got the horse bolted or something on the far turn and uh, yeah. took out a couple horses. Trevor McCarthy went down. Yeah, so um, a Philly against the boys. I guess this is a good spot for a Philly. You know, or is this this no, is Philly's. I'm sorry. This yeah. is, I'm thinking of the other race. There's a Philly. There's a Philly later on that's running against the uh, the boys, which we'll talk about later. From a wagering point of view, what were you thinking of doing with my candy girl? Uh, probably Kier first, second, and third in tries, and um, you know, obviously bet the win. Um, probably use as you said, use personal best, use adventuring. I'd probably use those two. Maybe transient if I went a third one, but. Um, just not my not my favorite race on the card, but again, prices price makes it. It could become my favorite race if my candy girl wins. 
fair enough. And and yeah, obviously all final decisions pending uh, pending looking at that uh, at that tote board. Should we should we skip the seventh and head over to the eighth, or did you have anything on the uh, on the seventh? I'll just throw out a few things, few ideas in the seventh, even though I'm not a big I'm not a big poly fan, so. King Cause, uh, if you like King Cause, the number one, uh, gets gets Lasix uh, back on. And if you look at that horse's um, races at Turfway on the poly, they seem to be super fast. So uh, that was just a horse I thought was really interesting that uh, should make good position from the inside. And Wolfie's Dynaghost um, switches to Jonathan Thomas, picks up to Tory. Frankie to Tory is going to ride. And that horse's poly race was pretty fast, even though I'm not interested in totally making a big wager on a poly track race. Those are the two horses I liked. Oh, it makes sense. Um, I didn't have a, a whole lot in there. I mean, I was just, I picked, I picked some numbers, but I, I'm not even confident about them to bother, uh, to bother. I mean, I'll say them because I looked at it, but I, I was a little bit interested in, in Ramsey solution um, in this spot for Safi. I thought that that synth race looked okay, but granted it did, uh, it did come with, with a little bit of a setup as well. The, the, the seventh is a race I need to grind on a little bit more. And I think I'm going to focus more on the dirt and turf on the day. Uh, race eight is the inside information Phillies and mares. Once again, this time we're going seven furlongs on the dirt and, a a horse that I know a lot of listeners have uh, bet on a lot of times is number four, Obligatory. Are you with her or against her in this spot, dude? Well, Obligatory is uh, definitely the best the best uh, mare in this race. Unfortunately, there's not a ton of pace in this race. And uh, the pace is going to come from our Adios jersey, Mr. Uh, Rich Averill's uh, entrant in here, which oh, yeah. I probably, probably will be rooting for. Were you going to say something there? Oh, I mean, you just the the, the style of the of the double R uh, horses. Um, yeah, no, no. There, there, there's one way of going with that with that one, and uh, I was also going to tease that we're going to probably have him on next week to do something about uh, the big uh, the big weekend at Tampa. So we'll have his return to the airwaves. Yeah, that horse should be uh, definitely in front. I'm not sure she's good enough. She's uh, she's had some issues, and um, it's good to see her back at the races because she's had a lot of. Uh, serious uh not not necessarily physical uh things it was it was more internal i think she had some uh some colic and things like that or uh that caused her a lot of time off and uh it's good to see her back i think she's a little bit overmatched here even though she will be in front um obligatories if if the pace develops obligatories is is definitely the worst to beat i mean she ran in the breeders cup right against goodnight all of the last two times uh, Bella Sophia before that. So she's, uh, she's all class. She just comes from so far back. It's hard to take her at seven to five, uh, colorful mischief, um, who ran at Gulfstream, uh, on December 31st, had an interesting ride by a Rod Ortiz. He kind of was really patient and then he went to the rail and just kind of closed on him. And then, you know, just kind of lost his position a couple times in that race. So I think, Colorful Mischief will, will uh, turn on Mary Quay Contrary in this. Because Mary Quay Contrary got, got the jump on her last time. And I don't see that happening again. So Colorful Mischief is probably uh, a horse that I think will hit the board in here at a price. And um, I think the only other horse I'll probably use in here, I don't like the rail draw, but Famed. I, uh, I like the way Famed ran at Churchill on November 13th. Uh, what I call like, one despite the ride or one despite the trip. And uh, 
that race has been uh, decent enough to, uh, she came back and uh, won a race at Remington, which going a route, which I'm not sure she's really a route horse. I think she's better off sprinting. Four, three, and one look like the numbers you're going to mess around with. Any thoughts as to strategies, more of a vertical race, more of a horizontal race? I think if in the, in the, um, in the race, I'll probably key off Cola from Mischief if she's really going to stay in that six to one range. Key her first, second, and uh, use one four, and maybe throw in Aradio's jersey just uh, just be just for the route. I like it. So you're you're okay getting beat by obligatory? Yeah, I think obligatory will show up. It's just I'm more worried about odds and and uh, and pace, you know. So. I don't see a ton of horses to go with uh, Aradios jersey. So usually at Gulfstream, when these races don't really go too quick, uh, I hate to take the horse that's going to be way behind. Yep, I get it. I get it for sure. We have more graded stakes action in race number nine. We move on to the turf going a mile and a half. Once again, in this spot, where's your eye drawn? I'm kind of married to Red Knight. Uh, I bet Red Knight a couple times, and uh, it's got... mm, quite the interesting rides his last last two two starts i know he's 10 years old he's i love the root for these old uh, new york breads um he's a classy horse i don't think he needs uh lasix like the, i think that lasix factor comes into comes it's a big factor in these uh long turf races horses on lasix off lasix and he doesn't need it and he's had a couple really interesting trips and i ride ortiz jumps aboard which i love um he just seems to be the best at these uh, these races, going a mile and a half. Uh, somehow he finds position, always has horse, and he's on a good horse. I think he'll uh, this horse will be tough to beat today. I was with you. I'm a big Red Knight fan, and I, I think this is a you know obviously a bit of a come down the class ladder after the monsters he was uh, he was seen against last time. Who did you like to go with him? I wanted to make a case for the three power alto and maybe the nine uh, value engineering as runners who could get in the mix, but definitely red, red Knight's a strong top pick for me. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Powell alto. I don't, I'm not sure what happened last time. I didn't read anything, but he didn't do much running in that race. Um, so that worries me a little bit. Frankie Dettori is going to jump aboard, which is a very interesting uh, move for him. Uh, Temple, I think is a horse that likes Gulfstream. Uh, he's got a really good race. He's got like five wins in five seconds at Gulfstream. So I think if you look at Temple's form at Gulfstream, it's a little bit better than uh, where he runs, how he runs everywhere else. So I'm using Temple. I'm not using Channel Maker, who is the three to one favorite. That horse seems to hate Gulfstream. I don't think he's ever hit the board at Gulfstream uh, in his career. And um, I think there's there's enough pace in here that he won't he won't get clear or anything like that. So I'm. Uh, I think a bond's got to go and uh, he's probably going to have to sit off a bond. So I, I'm, I'm kind of against him and value engineering is an, an interesting horse. I don't, these Chad Brown runners that switch, that switch to trainers. Uh, it's just hard to say this horse ran well on the poly um, for maker first time uh, on the switch. So he's, he's definitely an interesting horse. I just don't, I don't have a good line on the, a lot of those Chad Brown that uh, they're so lightly raced and then they switch trainers. A lot of times they don't do so well, but this one, this one did perform well on the poly. So that gives him uh, it definitely gives him a chance. So 11 is the key messing around with the six and nine. Any others you might want to mention or, or uh, you think will be on the tickets? Probably not. Um, no, I don't want to spread too much. 
Red Knight. What do you think Red Knight's odds are going to be? I was, I was a little. Uh, I think he might go off favorite, believe it or not. But I was I hoping. Know. You know, I'll take a look at what's going on in the international market right now. I was hoping we'd be able to get seven to two ish, but yeah. Uh, let's look. I mean, you'd be happy with that? Yeah, I would. I, I think. I think he's got to go off just as low as. Uh, um, channel maker, that's for sure. I thought he would definitely be as low as him, and uh, Temple will probably be right behind them in the, in the odds board. They haven't priced this one up yet. It's just the last three that I have international prices on. So we'll we'll have to we'll have to wait and see. But yeah, at that at that kind of number, I I'm, I'm that's a very interesting horse to me, and and one that I could see running some uh, some of the, the the bigger bets of the day through um, in terms of trying to pick the right spots. Let's move on to race number ten, the Hooper. Grade three action here, going a mile on the dirt. And uh, horse comes here off a long layoff, but I thought was kind of a standout. And I'll ask that question um, I asked before about obligatory. Are you with Miles D or against? It's a tough one. You know, Miles D's definitely got, is the fastest horse in the race. And, uh, but it's been, it's been almost a year, right, since he's run. Yep. Chad Brown's good with these. He's good with the, you know, especially going one turn layoffs, going a mile. He's very good at that. Um, it's hard to say that horse isn't going to win, but, you know, but sometimes when they're off a year, they don't perform up to their their full potential. But, I mean, he's a definite use. I mean, if you're playing horizontals, Miles D has to be on the ticket. This race besides him is <laughs> you better you, you need to you need a dart you know to throw at the page <laughs> like, they all look you talk about all looking the same they all run like what i would say is uh they're all like a step below that big stake number you know they're not they're not they're not the top notch stake horses but they're all good they're all they're all right there i will give uh a horse i think will this, this horse, I think, will totally get ignored in the betting. He's 12 to 1 morning line. The 10 horse, the Reds. He's run some really, really interesting races that I've I've seen. And I'm a little worried about the Lasix thing because he's been better on Lasix than he has been off the Lasix. And that, uh, that is, that is a, that's a huge factor for people to pay attention to because I've noticed a lot of horses that just can't run without it. Um yeah. This horse could be one of those horses, but I think he's going to get completely ignored because of that. And Safi Joseph, you know, on big day, you know, he, he's either hot or he's cold. And uh, this horse is definitely has the he has the potential to, to uh, run big at a mile, too. I think he's just going to be one of those horses that's going to be 25 to 1 that's just going to maybe sneak into the try. That's so, a very interesting idea for, for the Reds. I wanted to try to tell a story about the two noble drama. I really liked the last race. That was a day that the time form algorithm had as leaning towards speed. That was a slow paced race. And this horse was making some good ground late. And I just thought what you thought, you know, if Miles D doesn't show up and we're, we're looking at a wide band of horses within a narrow um, bunch of numbers, I want something at a bit of a price to, to come in there. Do you, you give noble drama any count? Oh, definitely. That that you're you're dead on about that race. That race had no pace in it whatsoever. So that last speed figure, you can just you can just toss that out the window. And if you look at his race before that, it was at a mile at Gulfstream. Uh, ran plenty good enough. He, he's got nine wins, I believe, at Gulfstream, and most of them, I think, are at this distance. So uh, he's a uh, he's going to get overlooked totally. And uh, twenty to one is kind of you might even be more than that. 
is kind of a crazy odds. As long as he can get some, you know, enough pace, he needs pace. It could come. I could, I can, I can see a world in which, you know, he three time form has the three, seven and the eight uh, vying for the early, for the early lead in this spot. And, you know, if we've had some wire winners on the day to this point, maybe it can really cook and, and set this thing up for, you know, miles D to come running with the, with the two and the 10. Yeah, I think uh, there could be a ton of pace in here. Even prevalence, I think, might want to uh, go a little more forward than he's been lately. And he, he's, he used to have um, better speed. And there's there's a bunch of horses that could go to could go real forward in here. Picking up Penny has to go forward. Um, uh, Octane should go forward. So Miss should go forward. So, I mean, yeah, there's nothing wrong with taking horses like Noble Drama. Uh, I want to mention one other horse that... Um, Actually, I could mention about three or four more in this race, but Hoist the Gold ran in the Malibu last time against Taiba, and um, I like the way he also ran, believe it or not, at Mahoning. That track, I thought, was a little speed favoring that day at Mahoning, um, and uh, he just uh, kind of got lost in that race. I think he's a real another interesting uh, horse that could uh, definitely hit the, hit the board at a price. Which horse is that? Number five, Hoist the Gold. I think, you know, he disappeared from my time form PP, making me think he might be scratched. So oh, he might be scratched. He doesn't have odds. I thought that was interesting that he didn't have odds on my form. Yeah, that might be that might be why it is. But that's one to maybe note for next time. It still still could be useful uh, information for folks. Uh, you know, put that one in your stable mail and, and keep uh, Duke's note on side. One more I just want to ask you about in there is endorse the nine runner. And if you uh, if you see him as a serious contender in this spot, I keep going back and forth on him. Yeah, I, I'm not sure what to do with him at the mile distance too. I don't know. He's they cut him back to six and a half and seventy, and he seemed to perform really well. So, I mean, I guess a mile would be not, you know, not too difficult for him. He definitely fits. He's got speed figures that really fit, um, you know, off his last two races. And I just think he might take more money. I think he'll be bet. You know, he's yeah. he's going to be in the four to five to one range, whereas horses like we picked, I think, are going to be in the twenty twenty five to one range. Um, it's just it's it's a wide open race. I mean, I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't knock anybody for picking anything in here. Right. But in terms of betting, you know, if you're messing around in verticals with, with runners like the two and the 10, maybe not a bad idea to keep some nines on side as well. Yeah, no doubt. Um, I might even keep a horse like the 11, who seems to perform that Lasix thing I've been talking about. He performs very well off Lasix. I'm not sure he's quite good enough at a mile, but um, he's a horse that should be somewhat forward too. Let's go on to uh, the three biggies, starting with the grade three Pegasus World Cup Philly and Mare Turf mile and a 16th at uh, the grade three level here for this uh, this field of nine and, and a race uh, I've, I've looked at quite a bit. Very curious to get your take on it. Yeah, this is a tough race. It's got a lot of speed in it, too, for for a Philly and Mare uh, route That's turf what race. I that colored my ultimate opinion in here for Yeah, sure. you got uh I think Artie's Princess stretching out. You got Delica. You got um plenty of other ones. You got Queen Goddess. There's Baystorm. just and and Dottori doesn't like to sit too long, you know. So you, I think you're gonna see plenty of pace, which set up should set up very well for uh Wakanaka. Um Wakanaka beat um, the, the morning line favorite Shantasara last time. And I didn't see really any excuse for Shantasara. I mean, I don't know 
you know, what they... There wasn't one. No, Chad said, we have no idea. We just decided to start over um, and put a line through it. And you know how that can be with a rising five-year-old mayor. Yeah, I just, uh, I don't like when they go off form for no reason. So yeah. eight, nine to five on that, I have to, I have to pass. And uh, I do like um, Wakanaka. I think uh, she's just going to get the, she's going to, just going to get the right pace scenario, just going to be maybe a little bit overlooked, uh, you know, coming off that win. And uh, she doesn't seem like uh, she's got, she's got the, the bad race, but that was against modern games at Woodbine. And uh, yeah. like you can always throw in one bad one. That was a tough, that was certainly a tough spot. Now the story with her is she was one of those horses in the barn at Churchill that had the, the herpes positive. So they had shipped her out to run in the matriarch and then she couldn't run. And then she was quarantined. So she missed a few weeks and there were some very wishy-washy Barry Irwin quotes, the owner part of the team Valor um, about that whole situation, like almost making a pre-excuse. I on paper. So here's my question for you. So I loved her on paper. I think you made the case perfectly. Then you hear something like that. And, you know, I know I'm certainly not going to throw her out for hearing that because that'll definitely put her in the winner's circle. But it did make me more inclined to want to use some other horses and and not press up Wakanaka so much. In your experience, when you hear stuff like that, are you better off ignoring it and just going with your original paper opinion or do you try to incorporate it? Well, th- this one, in this case, I didn't know any, m- that much about that. Um, in this case, I think that's serious if the horse was really quarantined. Because if the horse was quarantined, you know, it probably wasn't doing much. So that could that worries me a little bit. Normally when trainers start, you know, when they give you those, those lines about, uh, you know, this horse maybe not training as well, those kind of things, I, I usually ignore I'm not usually big on uh, trainers handicapping, right? Um, but in this case, that might be more serious than I might. Now I might be inclined to try to throw in one of these, a uh, couple more of these closers that um, maybe like Lady Rockstar or um, who else is going to come from off the pace? The bottom horse will, but I don't like the 11 post um, with Leperu. I think, um, I guess Lady Rockstar would probably be my second best closer in, in in this field. I could try to tell you a story about Sweet Enough in this spot for uh, for Atfield, who I just felt like was coming uh, coming back around, and I just thought that last race, you know, on time form, fast pace, fast final number, the kind of race that that sometimes will point out a horse that's improving. Now I know it's unusual. We were just talking about rising. Uh, five-year-olds like it's it's unusual for one to get really good um that late on but i trust that field a lot as a trainer who i feel like is underrated at this point and i just thought there was a chance that horse could get kind of a nice mid-pack um trip and and be heard from and be heard from late you you can you muster uh, any enthusiasm for that idea? Yeah, I mean if, if that horse can if she can I mean you could throw out a race at Keeneland uh she got really rank in that race uh, back in uh, in April. You can throw that race out. And then she ran on the poly. Um, obviously didn't perform very well in the Woodbine poly. I mean, horses that come in off off sharp wins like like uh, she is, I mean, she gets in the, she gets a nice little ground-saving trip from the four hole. She could sit, she might be able to sit right behind the speed and uh, 
you know, that's all it really, that's all it really takes to, to hit the board in a race like this. And especially at, she'll be, she'll be balloons in this race. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Maybe, maybe try to get a little cute. And I was thinking horizontally, I've got to throw Shantasari in there just because the race is two and three back are so much better than anything that any of these run, but obviously not one you want to necessarily key around at the price with that giant question mark of the last race. Yeah. If Shantasari goes back to, uh, the two races at Keeneland prior to her last, she will win. I mean, those races, those races are, are huge compared to this field. I'm, the, the horse that I was talking about earlier that I was surprised wasn't uh, the, the one I made a mistake on was uh, the lady spite spear is, is in the, is in the boy race, right? And then uh, in, in the next race, why isn't she in here? Cause I think she'd be, uh, she'd be uh, two to one to win this race. I would think. Yeah. That's a great, that, that is a great question. Um, I mean, similar distances. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess it's just a giant. Um, they, they, it feels like a big endorsement to run for twice the money. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I can't really make her in the in the Pegasus turf, and she'd look great in here. It's, it's an yeah. She ran. Question. I mean, she ran. She's already she already ran third in a Grade One, so it can't be that factor, right? I mean, right, right. That's not gonna. That's not I gonna increase the value that much. I, it's a tough call. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's, is it, is it possibly maybe here's some wishful thinking for me, Duke. Maybe it's an endorsement of my long shot. That he it might be. It might be that, uh, he thinks he's got a shot, good enough shot with, uh, with your horse. <laughs> exactly. Well, let's talk about this Pegasus turf. Who did you, who did you come up with in here? Well, again, another very, very difficult, uh, race. I think because horses like, like I bet Ibar in the Breeders' Cup mile. Now Ibar, looked like he was going to win at the, at the 16th ball. He just took the lead and just, uh, just got run over by, you know, maybe what I would say is a better horse in modern games. But, um, but a mile and an eighth worries me five to two. He doesn't look like a mile and an eighth type horse. He, He hits, he hits the lead and, and, uh, you know, when they try to take him way back, he doesn't have that big run. So I just don't think that's his best distance. So I have to play against, horse uh a couple horses that i like in here i like i like the number one wit wit i think wants a mile and an eighth i think he's a horse that's gonna gonna love this distance last time he did not get a very good trip in the um the hollywood derby at del mar he got he got the worst trip in the race he was wide and he was running on really quick late way out in the middle of course and um i just think if uh Jose Ortiz can get a little bit interested for a million dollars, which I think he might. Um, <laughs> he'll put this horse in maybe a better position than uh, than he's been in lately, and I think he'll 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 sit that. You need that ground saving trip at Gulfstream, even if it's just the first turn. You need that. You can swing out, but you need golf, these races are won by trip because they all they're going to run in a big tight pack, and uh, the horse that gets out and gets going, you know. Quick, what we call quickens the best is going to be really tough to beat after saving ground. So you need a trip. That's why I would I would go to Masterpiece, but Masterpiece has got an 11 hole, and I think he loves a mile and an eighth. You know, I'm, I'm a little worried about the trainer change on Masterpiece, but because um, McCarthy does so well and Chad does so well going to Safi, but I mean, I, I don't know why these horses change trainers anyway. It's like these guys move these horses around so much, it's hard to, hard to even understand. <laughs> But that horse, if you look at his mile and an eighth races, his two mile and eighth races, I think, just stick out on his form. And they've been trying to make him go, you know, longer, which I think was 
a bad move. And it, it, I think they finally figured out that this is his best distance. That's an interesting idea. Uh, what what do you make of uh, a tone? I was trying to make a case for a tone to potentially take him from uh, gate to wire in here. Well, a tone should be in front. Um, he did get a very easy lead last time and, and, and won very easily uh, at Aqueduct that does somewhat favor, I think, inside speed. But if they, if they let him do it again, I mean, I, I don't think they will. I think one more bid's got who I, I think I gave out uh, last he time. We were of, on. Yeah, he was your winner, one of your winners um, from last time, 16 to 1. I think he's got to be uh, got to be up close. Um, I think they, they, they put decorated invader in the race last time, but now he gets junior instead of Tyler uh, Gaffleon. So I don't, they might sit a little more with him today. Um, so maybe your horse, he might, he might get loose a tone, especially at 12 to one. That's crazy um, for a horse that might be the controlling speed. Yeah. I was looking at him and I thought hurricane dream. You could make a, a case for, I love when these euros come over and they're proven left-handed. I really, really like it. And, you know, this is a grade one, but a German grade two isn't far behind, in theory, this kind of form. And I just thought, you know, my motion has the good record with the first time North America. And I just thought 15 to one on the morning line was was too big. And it was even bigger priced um, in the fixed odds betting uh, when it opened up. So I, I wanted yeah, according to, to the and- According to the clockers, he's working tremendously since he's been at uh, Palm Meadows. Um, Interesting. He worked with Speaking Scout, uh, so I mean, you can you can look at that horse that won the Hollywood Derby. So, yep, and he, that horse might be improving. Uh, Speaking Scout, he, he that was a big race last time. I'm not sure where that came from. It just seemed like uh, he ran much better than uh, he had been. My theory on it was that they didn't. You know, I agree with everything you said about the trip on wit. It just felt like he was a horse speaking scout that was just really suited by how that race was run. I, I don't know how you had it pace figure wise, but it didn't, didn't seem that fast to me. And he seemed like he was just able to sort of gallop along and then, and then win the sprint, you know, for, for home with it, with like a ridiculous part, like the red sea kind of trip. You know? Yeah. It was a strange race. It was a slow pace, but then, but yeah, but, but the speed didn't hold up. So it was a really weird, uh, you know, it was like they really the weird race. Horses didn't go fast enough. Kind of a closers invited into the race kind of thing that JK is always talking about. Oh, JK says hello, by the way. Hey, JK, where is he? He is in. Uh, he's in Saratoga. He did not. Uh, he did not make it down here. Oh no! No Gulfstream this year, huh? Hi. Uh, yeah, we were we were mentioning it was the re- it would have been a return to the scene of the crime for him. That this was the eighteen <laughs> last year. That's true. That's right. That's when it was. It was last year. Will you be going back to the NHC for your, gosh, is it 15th, 16th appearance? I, I've lost track, but um, yes, I, I, I have qualified. I've, uh, I, I finished, uh, my son actually qualified for the first time. So, oh, that's uh, a great story. He beat me in a, he beat me in a, because <laughs> we both bet very similar in the last race at Los, in a Los Alamitos tournament, but um he beat me because he had like a dollar fifty left on his card. We were, we both bet out, and uh, in the last last race, we both hit the same exact wager. Without I didn't know what he was gonna bet. I knew who he was gonna bet, but I didn't know what he was gonna bet. And we both bet the exact same thing. So he beat me by like a dollar fifty. <laughs> Did he do that strategically or no? We just he, I didn't even know what he bet. Like I go, what did you bet? I go. I go, oh, no. I go, did you have any money left on your card? He goes, yeah, I got like $1.50. I go, I got zero, so you beat me. <laughs> well, 
keep it in the family. If I do, and I hope I will do a, you know, I do that pregame show for the NHC. I try to do it. So when people are traveling to Vegas, they have something to listen to. And I always just try to pick, you know, 10 interesting stories. Carson Matisse certainly would be, would be an interesting story. Yeah. He's, uh, he's probably one of the youngest, uh, in it. I would imagine, uh, he's 23. So yeah. Uh, qualified when he was 22. So he, um, He's he's a, he's a very uh, excited about uh, being in the NHC because he he's come and watched every year. He's some years he's been allowed in, some years he hasn't because <laughs> he's been too young. But yeah, uh, but he likes he loves the um, the atmosphere there as well as I do. And I think it I believe it's my seventeenth, but I don't know who's counting. <laughs> Somebody Michelle Ravencraft will know. We'll get we'll get the we'll get the scoop. In terms of this Pegasus, I'm going to write you down as. Liking the one with the uh, with the three, four, and eleven. Any other numbers you wanted to mention or, or subtract? Uh, maybe the two good governance. Again, it's one of those Chad Brown trainer change things that I don't really understand. I don't know if um, he just has too many horses or what. What? But that horse did not run bad last time. It's a, no. it's a seven year old that's run ten times, uh, which is. I mean, I'd hate to be. I mean, I'd love to own good governance, but I mean, think about that. He's run. 10 times he's seven years old that horse i mean is one of the better turf horses in the country i mean i wish uh, chad would run him just a little bit more presumably some issues i have i haven't heard any of the the, the specific stories on the other show jk and i were remembering his maiden run you'll probably remember this race it was my birthday august 4th and this he was a a maiden who there had been some info about, you know, positive info on, but was like a bettable five to two and absolutely walked out of the gate, went seven wide. The kind of thing where, you know, JK and I had both bet pretty heavy and you start walking out of the track because the horse has absolutely no chance. Yeah, I remember the race and he got up the win by just a nose too, right? Um, I think he beat another Chad horse, I believe. Oh, Yeah, I had heard about that. Oh. I definitely had heard about that. I was surprised he went off five to two, actually. Yeah. uh, There was so much talk about that horse, and he uh, somehow went off five to two. Yeah, Doswell was the Chad Brown. It was pretty, stop me if you've heard this one, all Chad Brown uh, turf exacta up at, up at Saratoga. What, yeah. One last question before we get to the big one. So you mentioned a horse, and I totally agree with you, by the way, about the, the big question marks with Ivar going the mile and an eighth. Is there something you see in his form specifically that makes you think a mile and an eighth is not for him? Or is it more just the fact that he's as old as he is, he's as good as he is, and he's never tried the mile and an eighth that makes you doubt I just think his style, like when you, when you, if you watch the watch his races, he 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 has to sit back, right? So he doesn't have the speed to go forward. And when they do try to put him more in the race, it seems like he doesn't have anything anything left. I mean, always running against better, but he's definitely running against better horses. So that is something that um, you have to take in take in factor. Um, he's he's just one of those horses. I think that just he's doesn't. He doesn't want to win at those kind of distances. He just, it's like, you know, it's like he wins at a mile. He wins at a mile and 16th, but a mile and an eighth just seems like he's not going to get it. And the one time he tried it, um, I think he tried it once or twice, once at Churchill and didn't run very well. And um, it's just, I don't know, just it's, it's something they can, sometimes they can only quicken so much, you know, it's like they can only, they can only get that one little burst. Yep. And they can't sustain that burst. And I think he might be one of those types of horses. 
Let's Tight. talk about the big one, my friend. Grade one Pegasus World Cup going a mile and an eighth on the dirt. JK and I were in lockstep here. We like the favorite. We think Cyberknife is ready to take the step up and stamp himself as, I guess, the co-top choice in this division along with uh, Taba. But uh, it feels to me like he's supposed to win. Um, I made a little case for Skippy Longstocking as an interesting one to come with him. But they're not here to hear me, Duke. What do you think is going to happen in the past? Uh, they're not going to want to hear me then because I think Cyberknife will win this race. Um, I mean, just... Cyberknife is a horse that I really liked in the Breeders' Cup Mile. Um, he uh, he ran really big, uh, ran a really really good second to Cody's Wish, and probably should have won. Uh, just just a tough beat, and he just seems like that horse that you guys were saying. Just seems like the horse that's just going to keep getting a little better, a little better, a little better, because that's the way his form looks. His form looks like each race. That he runs, he just he gets he gets a little bit, gets a length faster, gets a length faster. You know, those are those are good signs for a three year old turning four, and um, a mile and an eighth is a perfect distance for him. And just don't I don't see the type of horse in here that just can can run on that level. If he runs his race, he will win. You know, it's one of those things, and um, I don't think pace will get him here. I don't think post will get him. I think he'll be, I think he'll be pretty well placed. It's just one of those races where I think uh, two to one's not bad if you can get it. Yeah, we were having a big discussion about that. He's priced up a bit shorter than that by the sharpest books in the UK, uh, thirteen to eight. I think I was seeing, mm-hmm. but I just think there's so many ways people are going to want to to go in this spot that that we can get two to one. I'm hoping yeah, we can. I think we can. I didn't get two to one on him. You know, then the key is who do you use with him? You know, because that's you. You got to try to hit the exacta. So um, horizontally, it's easy. You just you, you know, you take a shot and and. But uh, if you want to bet the race, now you got to start searching. You got to start searching for how the race is going to be run. Who, you know, who's going to get a trip? Who's not? Who's good enough? Those are the things you have to throw in, and um, and it's not easy. It's it, this one's. Uh, they all look similar behind him. Um, if you watch that race, Skippy Longstocking, I thought he was. I thought he got the best trip in that race. He just stalked um, a long shot, I think, leader, and uh, just grinded him up. I don't know if that's going to happen here. Um, what do you see? The pace you see defunded or um, defunded? I think they're going to dead send defunded. Yeah, I, I think Skippy's going to have to get a different kind of trip if he's going to if he's going to do his thing. I I was hoping that he just. I mean, I agree that was not a hard trip at all, but it just it was just fast enough that and it was off a layoff. So I was thinking he it was and and you know of course distant success. He's running out you know, close enough to out of a stall from Palmetto's. I, I was hoping he'd be able to sit more mid pack and make a run. And I think, you know, defunded is going to go for broke feels like even Bryden with Biden, isn't his only chance to, uh, to be aggressive. Um, He's got Leperu though. He probably won't. Right. That's true. Stiletto boy from that post. Doesn't he have to go? You would think, and then, you know, you got to see our collector. Is he, and he's got it. He's, he right. has to be forward. So, I mean, uh, there should be, there should be plenty of pace. Um, I think you're right. I think the Skippy horse will be sitting, Skippy will be sitting more like fourth uh, in this race, fourth or fifth. Uh, might get a good trip. I think simplification could get that trip too. You know, gets Paco. Mm, he might be, he might be looking to, 
you know, get one of those uh, ground saving trips and uh, sit off the pace. I just think it's really tough for second. I just think the winner is Cyberknife. I, I couldn't, I couldn't see much of an excuse for that horse O'Connor, and now he gets a twelve post, which I don't like. I don't. This mile and eighth is tricky at Gulfstream. You do not want to be wide into the first turn. Right. Uh, that I will tell people, and that is that is a fact. If you're wide in that first turn, going a mile and an eighth at Gulfstream, you're you, you can be in deep trouble. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Do you think there's any signal in the jockey? There's a lot of jockey musical chairs in here, and yeah. one good general question to ask you is how much you consider that. But I did wonder if maybe look. I think on paper our collector's got to go, but just to play devil's advocate, is it possible Saez was fired for being too aggressive last time, and he goes with his main man Alvarado with the thought that they might that they might sit more? Yeah, I mean that's definitely a good point. Why why no Saez is 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 really strange. He didn't. You he can't imagine he chose get her number. I think it might be, you know, Ma can be tough on jockeys and. Uh, I guess Junior's his guy, but still, you wouldn't think he would take him off for. Yeah. After winning two stakes, he won the Charlestown race being aggressive. And I don't know. That's a weird one. I, I didn't really notice that. I noticed uh, some moves. I mean, Baffert goes for Irad, which is, that's an interesting move. I don't, they don't seem to team up too often. No, I was theorizing that that could be some politics of just like Irad wanting to get into that barn in case he has five derby horses. You know, <laughs> <laughs> Not a bad move, I guess, even though Baffert won't be the real trainer. Um, right, that's right. <laughs> well, yeah, because Irad takes off of Skippy, right? So like there's – if you like Skippy, you've got to come up with some reason in your head. But it also could – you know how this stuff goes, though. It could just be that – Oh, they committed to going before, and we gave them the call, and you know it can be that kind of jazz too. Yeah, it's it's a lot of weird stuff going on with the jockeys. I mean, especially like you said in this race. I mean, they take Zayas off the the horse last time. I'm not sure he did anything wrong, but Castellano on that's a weird. I mean, he I like Edgar Zayas. He wrote a lot of he wrote a ton of winners for me on Pay Any Price. I, I think he's a yeah a nice guy and a good rider. And uh, um, I mean. It, it's weird that Saez does ride the Peter Miller horse. That horse has improved, but I don't think that horse wants a mile and an eighth. I think a mile and an eighth is tough on that horse. Um, that seems like too far for that for a getter number. I would tend to agree. Generally speaking, how much do you look at that jockey stuff? I mean, I imagine you're much more going to be relying on your numbers, but I do think sometimes it can be interesting in terms of how you see the pace unfolding just because of jockey styles. Yeah, they all got different styles. I mean, uh, uh, you do have to try to, you know, handicap the way they ride, right? So Tyler Gaffleon's a forward rider. You know, uh, Leperu's usually somebody that wants to sit back. You know, the, Paco likes to save ground. Get You know, he'll go or sit. You know, he'll do both. You just got to kind of watch these guys. Rosario, he's one of those guys that either goes or goes back. You know, yep. that one post could be really tricky for him, so... Those are things that you got to, you know, that just from watching races, you learn. And uh, and I use it more for that, not not for – they're all talented enough to get the horse to win. You know what I mean? They all – all these horses can win. If they're – if they're, uh, they're if the horse is good enough, almost anybody can win on them. It's just you try to pick what um, style of rider is, you know, on, on that particular horse and how they ride, just like you were saying. It's – it's um, that's the only way I jockey handicap. Less about, oh, he got off, so this one's chances are increased and this one's chances are decreased. You don't really do that. No, not really. I mean, 
There's a couple guys, but I don't want to get into that. He <laughs> <laughs> I mean, did make a very memorable comment about jockeys on the last show, and I was kind of amazed that you almost just said something nice about jockeys. Well, I mean, I, I'm hard on a couple guys because they don't belong, but I mean, uh, I've, I've made a lot of money off a couple guys getting off horses too. So, um, as you as you well know, um, there's just certain guys just can't ride. Uh, certain ways you know what i mean like they some guys got to be in the clear like i don't want to you know go back to that but some guys just gotta be you know outside stalking some guys don't like to be inside um they just won't sit in the in the pocket they won't they won't take that dirt they won't do stuff like that so there's definitely and 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 i'm not sure i blame them i don't think i would want dirt kicked in my face either but (laughs) But, in uh, terms of in terms of betting specifically here, like I'm going to send around some notes. Should I, for your note in this race, should I just say Cyberknife wins, or do you want me to mention runners like the two and the seven as possible exact partners? I don't think I really have a strong opinion underneath. I think Cyberknife wins, and uh, hopefully, the, hopefully they can come up with who the who runs second. And, uh, <laughs> maybe they'll tell me because I know I'll miss the exact. Thinking back on all the races we talked about, is there one spot you feel like you'd be uh, comfortable identifying as a as a best bet or a best sequence, anything like that? Um, not necessarily a best bet. I thought, you know, I probably would have gone with that Wakanaka until you told me about that uh, all that stuff, and now I won't. Um, I would say I'm probably Red Knight is probably going to be my. Yeah, I like that. It's going to be my. Big single in the pick in the late pick five, and that's probably uh, I'll need I'll probably need Red Knight combination Cyberknife. Maybe people can make that parlay if they want to uh, do a win parlay. Red Knight uh, Cyberknife, and uh, I love it. I think it's great stuff, Duke. Really appreciate you taking all this time with us here, and not just talking about these races, but giving us some ideas on how to approach this stuff going forward. Godspeed tomorrow. We'll be looking your, for your name on various uh, contest leaderboards as well, and hope to chat with you again soon. All right, Pete. It's been fun. All right. Great stuff. We thank Duke. We thank Aiden Butler. We'll thank our founding partners, 10 Strike Racing and the Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation as well. Most of all, I want to thank all of you, the listeners, for making these shows so much fun to do. This show's been a production of In The Money Media. Our business manager is Breeders' Cup Betting Challenge champion, Drew Coatney. Our chief creative officer is Jonathan Kinchin. I'm Peter Thomas Fornatel. May you win all your photos. 